Hello, welcome to the Lenovo Esprit video series on the theology of the body. In this video, we are covering audience four. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Haasader. And I am Guillermo Moreno, your other co-host. All right. So what we need to do is recall some conclusions from audience three that JP2 is going to reference. So we need to recall that in the previous audience, JP2 introduced two, ex two experiences of um, the first man and woman, namely original innocence and original sin. Original innocence is the state of the man and woman before they sinned against God, before they disobeyed and fell. And this state is a state of grace. They're in a covenant with God. There's harmony in their relationship with each other between the man and woman with God. And afterwards, after they fell, you have original sin. The covenant with God is broken in the hearts of man. And so... John Paul II calls the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as the boundary between original innocence and original sin. It's the boundary because Adam and Eve were commanded to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what they precisely did. Now, this state of original sin leads to another concept and that is the concept of historical man and if we recall the context of um our video series thus far has been matthew 19 where jesus christ is talking to the pharisees about divorce wherein he reference that his interlocutors to the beginning now christ's reply in appealing to the beginning to this boundary experience of original innocence and original sin tells us that there has to be a continuity between original innocence and original sin there has to be a continuity otherwise it would not make sense for christ to appeal to these original state of man before he rebelled. So and with that, JP2 will now develop what is meant by historical man. Um, Guillermo, did you have anything you wish to add about um, the conclusions from the previous audience or introducing us to historical man here? No, I don't. Okay. So let's see here, historical man. Well, let's first clarify what is meant by historical man. That is you, me, and everybody since Adam and Eve. So when Adam and Eve sinned, you have this shift in human nature. Human nature, we mentioned last time, there were two states. You had the integral nature and then you have the state of fallen nature. Historical man 
is in this state of fallen nature because we all inherit original sin from Adam and Eve. This is defined teaching from the Council of Trent, which is also a very interesting and worthy reading itself, the decrees of the Council of Trent. You can um, avoid many silliness that people today promote by simply reading the Council of Trent. All right. So historical man is every single person involves every single human person in human history. And let's see, we have a first principle that the laws of knowing correspond to the laws of being. Okay. What on earth does that mean? Is the question. Guillermo, do you have any suggestions? Uh, uh, regarding the first point? Yeah, regarding the very first point, what does it even mean when we say laws of knowing corresponds to laws of being? What is that about? What comes to mind when it comes to the laws of knowing is that human beings, we have the ability to know in light of the faculty of our reason. I think that when it comes to the laws of being, at least our being, the two are inseparable. What makes us uniquely man, human beings, is our capacity to know. At least in terms of uh, the beings in creation. At least those of us who partake in the uh, physical matter of creation. So unlike the angels who can also know, um, they are purely spiritual beings. That's what comes to my mind. I could be wrong. No, I think you are, you got us well started towards okay. the path. Oh, great. I think I would want to clarify and bring a little bit more precision mm -hmm. by saying that um, when we encounter something, our reason, our intellect, as you reminded us, has a capacity to know the truth about that thing you just encountered. There's a correspondence between our not no ability to know things and the things we actually encounter in reality. You can actually know things, essentially. Which is very distinct from cognitive awareness. Yeah, and... You know, as I was saying my last sentence, I was like, this seems trivially true until you start talking about modern philosophy. Because you do have people that say, oh, well, you can know the appearances of things, but you can't actually know the things themselves. What? Yeah, that's Kant. So, no, I get that. Yeah. A completely different direction from where I thought. Uh, <laughs> from where I thought just judging by where we are in our postmodern world. Yeah. All right. You can just think of relativism too, right? Yeah, Some people could, just I say, could. you can't know the truth about some things. What I, what came to mind, it's pretty much a whole different topic, maybe for another time. Okay. 
I guess you'll leave us in mysterious suspense. Until no, okay, then. fine. No, just briefly. <laughs> uh, no, I, some animal rights activists go to a certain extremity. Oh, of, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. animals. Okay, well, they know, they understand. Oh, look. Uh, yeah. um, you know, they're not different than us. And like, yeah. uh, just, just, yeah, please. Whoever has listened to our first three episodes of mm. this series would know how silly that is hopefully yeah no for yeah. sure well, right. that yeah that's where i was yeah yeah thinking. yeah <laughs> no that's good theology of body is a great antidote to those animals are persons type people mm-hmm. Guillermo has mm-hmm. a great article on that very topic too oh thank you yes yes it is up on the website yeah all right so What's important about this principle, then, is the fact that since we are in the state of original sin, we can actually know about this. We can know about the laws of the state, and we can determine the principle continuity that Christ presupposes. So historical man has this principle continuity through our fallen nature being rooted in our theological prehistory. That is to say that our state in as fallen human beings has intelligibility, Hmm. continuity with original solitude. We were, Adam and Eve were in a state of original solitude and we fell from that. That is the principle of continuity. There was something great, wonderful, and beautiful about where we were. And that is kind of something we have always been looking back towards, searching for. And you see that kind of idea in human history and the mythologies where people are looking for a Garden of Eden or, a Garden of Eden, or the Fountain of Youth or say that Elysian fields or oh man not a utopia right utopia is another one or just think social contract theory or the idea of a pure nature just think John Locke or Rousseau right you have all these kind of ideas where people are looking at kind of a garden of Eden trying to go back Something interesting. interesting. So our sin, the sin of original, or I should say original sin, all sins after have to be explained in light of this theological prehistory and original innocence. We historical man, all of us and our loss of grace has reference to the grace of original sin. The covenant that Adam and Eve enjoyed before when they were in the state of original sin, and then the broken covenant afterwards that we all inherit with original sin, that all has reference to that original covenant. Mm-hmm. And just kind of a foreshadowing, that is what Christ came to repair and elevate us beyond the state of original innocence to something greater than with the new covenant. But that is a lot of foreshadowing. Now, just remaining rooted in the text of Genesis, 
While we lost our original innocence because Adam and Eve ate the fruit, even though God told them don't eat the fruit, and they acted like toddlers and they ate the fruit. The text in Genesis 3 that describes the fall also presents the theological perspective of redemption. So JP2 cites Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and I'll read it to you. In that verse, it says, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So that's a reference between where God is addressing the serpent. So there's going to be enmity between the serpent and the woman, between the seed of uh, the serpent and the seed of the woman. And this is foreshadowing of Mary and Jesus versus Satan. And you have that um, imagery taken up again in St. John's book of Revelations, chapter 12, with the text on the woman. So Genesis 3.15 presents the perspective of redemption. And all historical men and women participate in this perspective the entirety of human history is one of sinfulness and redemption and the fact that we are called to redemption means that man is both subject and co-creator of that redemption that we are open to this mystery of redemption in christ and JP2 refers us to Romans 8.23. So in Romans 8, let's see. St. Paul tells us that we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, I'm quoting the text here just to be clear, grown inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So here. St. Paul is telling us that part of this perspective of redemption includes the redemption of our body. The redemption of man includes the redemption of our bodies. And the redemption of the body guarantees the continuity and unity between our fallen state and original innocence. Um, Guillermo, you still there with us? No, yes. All right. Did I rush through everything too fast for you? No, you no, no, no. I just, uh, if I could build on what you're sharing, a couple of things. Um, I think one key word that will help us to just really interpret the doctrine of original sin is uh, covenant mediator. So Adam yeah. was the covenant mediator uh, between God and humanity. What we mean by mediator is the one person who, on behalf of the party that consists of usually a household, a family, uh, that individual, his actions uh, regarding the covenant relationship with the other party will affect not only himself, but the remainder of his household, or the, the, his household, I should say, and their descendants. Because of the family relationship, the filial relationship in this covenant between God and man. That is why, even though Adam and Eve were the ones who committed the sin, the rest of us inherited the effects of their sin. And what I would like to add when it comes to 
this last point on the redemption of the body is that it's not like Adam and Eve blew it and then somehow God started over again with a whole new human species that, oh, we are the fallen ones and God kind of start over. No, no, it's, it's we're the descendants of that initial pair. And the rupture was, there was, there was certainly a rupture in, in the relationship between God and man, but not a rupture between man in the beginning and who we are now. Not quite. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's the same human nature. It's the yes. same type of person, same type of human person, I should say. But there's damage, but it's not yes. total destruction of human nature. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. I, I feel like we can elaborate a little bit more if we specify a particular teaching of the Council of Trent itself. That original sin is passed generation to generation through propagation. That is through procreation. The very fact that you have children means that your children inherit original sin. That is the divine teaching. That is why all of humanity who are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve have original sin. It's because original sin is passed through propagation. Mm -hmm. And I do really like what you said there about covenant and mediator that help also explain some of these concepts that we were talking about while introducing some others all right there's one final topic that jp2 wants to talk about and that is he's going to appeal to experience let's see if we get this thing quick so the human person is a being that experiences. We have a body, and because we have bodiliness, we have perceptions, we experience things. Now, the key point that JP2 wants to make here is that because we have a body and we are beings that experience, this means that experience is a legitimate means for theological interpretation experience is going to be a indispensable point of reference for jp2 and his motivation for this is romans 8 23 where and saint paul talks about the redemption of the body because if the body was not going to be redeemed then who cares about the bodily experience but no our bodies is part of redemption that's part of what we mean by redemption it's the resurrection of the body the body is something wonderfully created that god is going to save not just your soul but your body and soul your entire person is being saved and it's interesting because this idea of introducing experience there was a lot of negative um, philosophical pushback. Um, this appeal to experience, it can be, um, I guess, controversial because usually the philosophical schools that use 
experience as uh, for philosophical analysis is mm -hmm. existentialism and phenomenology. And if you're coming from a hardline Thomistic metaphysical approach, that is almost anathema, depending on the type of Thomism you're doing. And there, there's some more technical details we can throw in there. I just wanted to kind of mention kind of a little bit of the kind of mentality one might see with some people and this appeal to experience. And JP2 was sensitive to that because he gave a long footnote on this particular problem as a philosophical topic. And he references this verse from Romans 8 for the reason why it is acceptable to talk about experience is because the body is part of the resurrection. It's part of our redemption. It's part of our experience as human humans in our existence. Yeah. Um, I will say there is more that one that can be said about the topic of experience but that is something to be left for another video correct um guillermo did you have any last words about audience four no just as you said uh, upcoming audiences will help us when it comes to appealing to experience yeah and guess to give you a foretaste of what's going to happen this um, appeal to experience is going to be what JP2 uses for the next set of um, audiences. So the first four audiences are dedicated to the meaning of the was meant by beginning. That is what um, JP2 is trying to do. So if we take a step back for a moment, right? Genesis or first audience was. Here's the text of Matthew 19. Christ appeals to the beginning. He appeals to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. The second audience is Genesis 2. The third audience introduces Gen. Oh, wait, no. The second audience is Genesis 1. The third audience is Genesis 2. And then the fourth audience is the principal continuity between the text of Genesis and where we are today. And now he's going to go back to the accounts of Genesis 2 and look at the experience of the first man and first woman. And the next set of audiences, five, let's see here, it's five, six, I can't remember. Is it seven included? Yes, seven's included. So five, six, seven is dedicated to the meaning of original solitude. And he's going to analyze that from the perspective of experience. So that's where we're headed with the next set of videos. Um, let's see here. Shall we wrap this up, Guillermo? Let's do it. All right. Thank you for watching this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested, we have a lot of social media. Most importantly is our website, URL, and Patreon. Please subscribe to us on Patreon. If you've been enjoying our content, we need money to continue making awesome videos and our, to continue doing our awesome research. It takes a lot of time and effort to do those things.
And please pray for us. Yes, that too. And just know some of your money will go to feeding the hamsters to keep the website running. All right. And if you want, we do have, we'll be distributing our videos on YouTube, page, or not page, but Rumble and probably some other things. Um, if you, so there's our YouTube channel and you can go to lenovillespreecom slash subscribe and you can look at all the other terrible social media platforms we are unfortunately on like Facebook and Twitter and whatever else. Oh, and we have an awesome podcast. We have, if you go to lenovillespreecom slash podcast, you can find it there or on Buzzsprout and all the other web social media platforms. All right. Did I forget anything, Guillermo? Nope. Are you sure? No. All right. All right. Goodbye, y'all. Bye, everyone. You you did forget it. I'm forgetting something. I think you're forgetting something. Don't you know when I say you something? You forgot to right hit now? record. Uh, uh, I didn't forget to hit end record. Uh, um, I give up. I think you'd say something along the lines of God bless you or something. Well, yes. Yeah, so, of course, yes. God bless. All right. Now I'll end, end this recording.